Good morning, everyone. It's great to be back here in California. Greetings from San Antonio, Texas. Uh, it is not that cold there right now. It comes in waves of cold. Uh, when Dan Pauline visited a couple weeks ago, it was pretty cold. I, we didn't know where it came from, but it's mostly warm, especially for about eight months of the year. We call it the, the dragon comes out, and it is hot, really hot. It's triple digits, but humidity, too. So it's, it's not just the dry heat that we grew up in that you get in California, but both that heat. So it's a little colder, but nonetheless, it's good to be home here. And the last time we were home for Christmas was 2018, before we left for Japan for three and a half years. So it's been a, been a few years, so we drove across the country. I visited some of my recruiters on the way in different places like, like Lubbock and Albuquerque and Phoenix and Southern California, and then finally came here. So we, if our kids are a little cranky or Rachel's um, a little short with you, that's because she's been in the car for five or six days. So, <laughs> But we're, we're so excited to be here for this season. So in case you didn't realize, it is Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve, that means tomorrow's what? And there's no more time to do any shopping. There's no time left. And now, this is not a reminder to get on your phone and go on Amazon (laughs) and try to see if they can deliver by tonight. Uh, And I give your neighbor full authority to call you out if you do that. But there's, this is not a reminder to, to do that, but as we look at this time of, of year, around the holidays, specifically with, when it comes to Christmas, or something that Pastor Tim was already talking about, what we do at this time, gift giving, gift giving. A couple Sundays ago, and we go to a, a, a Texas, we go to church in Texas, a Texas church, it's called Alamo Community Church. Everything in San Antonio is something with the Alamo name in it. So it is Alamo Community Church, and they chose Ellie to be in the, they have a little video every every Christmas Eve service that they play, and they ask these kids a bunch of different questions like, oh, what, what did the wise men bring Jesus, or what's the best gift you ever got for Christmas, or all these, all these questions to get some good responses, and of course, Ellie this time was giving the perfect church answers. They're like, that's not what they want. They want funny, real answers. And so as I was thinking about that in, in the last couple of weeks, I've been asking myself that question, what is the greatest gift uh, that, that you've ever given? And so you've already started giving some really good answers. And so I want to take out, all right, we know the greatest gift we have is Jesus, the church, the Bible, your family, we, those are already on the list and things that you mentioned. So when I'm asking you this question, what is the, the maybe we say the funnest gift you've ever received growing up, what would it be? Yeah, it's a, I'm asking you. Nice. Okay. Mm. In the back. Oh, a super, I remember those super soakers. Anybody else? Way in the back. Yes. A bicycle. Awesome. Good. So many good things. For me, it was, I think it was 10 or 11. It was Star Wars Micro Machines. I think Elena was at that uh, Christmas. We're at uh, 
Popo and Grammy's house, and, I, and me and my brother Michael got a ton of them. It was when Star Wars micro machines first came out. They had those the Darth Vader heads, and they were they'd open up and be a little base. That was one of my favorite. Now, what about what is the worst gift that you've ever gotten? Oh, he's he's got his hand quick. <laughs> clothes. <laughs> Nobody wants clothes for Christmas. In the back, the super soaker. Yep. A stuffed cat, ooh. Yeah, a toy cat. Yeah, not the real thing. What else? What's the worst gift that you've received? One more. Soap on a rope. Those are pretty good uh, gifts that you can get now. Modern day bars of soap, not even though we go with liquid. <laughs> That's funny. A single folding chair. And how, many, how big was your family at the time? It was just a family. Oh, just, I'll see. <laughs> maybe online it looked like a, maybe a love seat, but it ended up being a single folding chair. But you might have not received what Ralphie received on Christmas morning with uh, pink bunny pajamas. But when we look back at, at the Christmas presents and gifts that we've received, they're fun memories and, and times that we look back to, but is that your favorite memory? from Christmas. Is that your favorite memory from this time of year? As a family, we recently watched one of the classics. Maybe not, some of you might not consider this a classic, but it's been around for a little while. But you might have heard of a movie that Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sinbad starred in called Jingle All the Way. It is, it is the classic, and Arnold Schwarzenegger plays this character, Howard, who's a workaholic. He is working really hard, and during this time, it, it shows him it, it's the day before Christmas Eve, and he's supposed to show up to his kid's karate class graduation. He was getting a blue belt or a purple belt, one of the belts. I'm not into karate, but he was getting a new belt, and his dad had promised, I'm going to be there. I'll be there, I promise. That's one of his, his main lines in the whole movie. I'll be there, I promise. And, of course, he's working, 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 and his secretary's trying to get him there, and he doesn't make it. He gets a ticket on the way, doesn't make it. He shows up, and it's all over. And he goes home, and he tries to explain to his wife that there was so much traffic and all this excuse after excuse. And she said, don't go tell me. Go talk, to, go talk to Jamie. And so he runs upstairs, and he tries to reason with his son how he can make it up to him for not being there, not spending the time, for, for missing some of these big events. And so he, Jamie begins to explain that you can make this go away. You can make up for this by getting me a Turbo Man. <laughs> now, if, you don't, if you've never seen the movie, Turbo Man is if the Power Rangers and Captain America had a kid. <laughs> that's Turbo Man. So Turbo Man is this, this, this superhero. And so he's like, get this Turbo Man. But of course, this is the day before Christmas Eve. He wakes up Christmas Eve and he's supposed to be spending time with his family. Supposed to be enjoying time with his family there. And yet he has to go get this toy that his wife told him to get weeks ago because it's the hottest selling Christmas toy ever. And the whole movie is that entire Christmas Eve day. He's trying to buy his kid this toy to make up for time that he hasn't spent with him. Yet he's spending the entire Christmas Eve. He loses his car. He loses all kinds of things in the process. He's missing the mark. And we look at that and we say, oh, we would never do We don't. We look and think like, yeah, of course, we wouldn't have done that. But yet so often, we find ourselves very much in that situation. 
where we are working or we are trying to do work or doing something to get the perfect gift, the, to have the perfect Christmas party, to have the perfect setting for Christmas. And yet we're doing so much work. We might believe that Jesus and church and family is the greatest gift that we can have, but our actions say something else. So if I ask you, what is the greatest gift that you can give to your family? What would you say? Or should I ask it this way? What would your actions say? What would your actions reveal that you really focus on and what you would give to them? Does your heart truly believe that you would give those things? We're here to celebrate today and tomorrow. The greatest gift in history, God becoming flesh and dwelling among us. We needed his presence so bad. It wasn't just times or glimpses of God's presence, as you see in the Old Testament. There's glimpses of his glory. There's glimpses of his time when he, he dwells. But then, 2,000 years ago, he entered into history to dwell among us, to be what we needed, the very presence of God himself. It was a dark time for them 2,000 years ago. And as long as you don't live as a hermit somewhere, you realize that we're in a dark time now. And part of me thinks that, man, I don't want to live in this dark time. I want to, when you think about times, I want it to go back to something that, how it used to be, how things were better. But the problem is when, we, when everything is great, everything is so comfortable, who needs God? Why? Our message doesn't look very different. If every, everything is always going well. But as we enter this dark time, we, what hope can we provide for our family in this season? Well, here's our big idea this morning. I want us to focus on this. The greatest gift you can give this Christmas is to shine his light. The greatest gift that you can give this Christmas is to shine his light. As we look at how to do this, I invite you to turn to the Gospel of John, who wrote about this very thing. He wrote the Gospel, this Gospel, so that his readers would fully believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And his focus was on who Jesus is. And we're going to jump into the first 14 verses as we go along of John chapter 1. And John's focus was that he wanted his people to truly believe in Jesus. When we think of the word believe, we kind of throw that term around a lot. Especially this time, like, oh, I believe in Santa Claus. Or do you believe in Santa Claus? Or I believe in the magic of Christmas. Or, I believe that Lee Harvey Oswald was the only shooter. Or, I believe that money fixes everything. Or, I believe that Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey are going to get married and stay together forever. We throw the word belief around very loosely. But John really dives into this meaning of belief to, to means, meaning to consider something to be true and therefore worthy of one's trust. To accept is true, genuine, real. To have a firm conviction. Uh, 
this, have this, to be able to accept the word as evidence of. So this, John wants to give you evidence in fact and truth that you can stand on. As we look at today's generation, you look at Generation Z, you look at Generation Alpha. In case you guys aren't up, up to date, Generation Alpha, we got a uh, new generation coming on board. And even some of the millennials, you know what the number one thing they care about? Well, a few things, but what they focus on. Authenticity. When you think of... Uh, Something published in Ernest and Young, they say that today's generation, those three, care very much about trust, transparency, and authenticity. In this transformative age, with more data changing hands and more technology used in decision making, trust is more important than ever. And they says that they they focus on the corporate workplace, but trust is so important because nobody knows what truth is. Is that true? Because you can watch a YouTube channel a YouTube video, and you would fully believe what was being showed. How do you verify that stuff? How do you look at those things? So John wants to get at this truth. He wants people to believe that this is the truth. Well, John, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote this gospel 2,000 years ago to address this very thing, and we're going to read as we go along. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. When Wiersbe writes on the Logos, the Word, it reveals to others our hearts and minds. So the Word that we speak reveals what's in our hearts and minds. And so in Jesus Christ is God, the Word. He did that so He could reveal His heart and mind to us. The, and we're going to see Him becoming flesh. He hath seen me in John fourteen nine. He hath seen me he hath seen the Father. Verse 2, the same thing was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Here we see Jesus brings with his life eternal life. Jesus' very light, the light of men, it was the light of men because it brought life. It brought life to darkness. It brought life to death, and it changed our trajectory. Verse 5, and that light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. This time at, at Christmas, they, we focus on that celebration of his birth, and they place this at the darkest time of year. If you realize a couple days ago, the 22nd is the darkest time of year. Now, in California, it doesn't get that dark, but when we're in Japan, or even when we're in England, it got dark, and there was only five or six hours of, of, of sunlight. And it's even worse if you're in Alaska. The sun, there's, they don't see the sun for like 60-something days. Can you imagine that? Man, it's terrible. I, don't, I mean, it's beautiful, but it's terrible. Not seeing the sun. So when you think of this darkest time, it's a perfect time to put up the Christmas lights, put up the Christmas tree, the light, to, to enjoy Jesus entering into the world. And here's what I know about darkness as we look at this. It, the light shines in the darkness. The darkness can't comprehend it. Darkness paints the best backdrop for Christ's light. So the darker our world gets, the brighter that we can shine Christ's light. But the darkness, as it says, of evil can never overcome or overtake Christ's light. 
Verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. We, like John the Baptist, are not the sources of God's light. Now, if anybody could have taken some credit and said, I'm doing a pretty good job of being the light, it was John the Baptist. He was the last prophet, uh, the transition prophet from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And when we look at the Christian Hall of Fame or the, the great heroes of the faith, he's up there, way higher than all of us. So John, the gospel writer, the apostle, the one who Jesus loved, the one who got it, the only one that was at the cross that went through the suffering with Jesus, he's looking at John as somebody above him, and he's saying, John, it wasn't the source. We are not the source, but he was sent to bear witness to that source. So when we shine his light, it's not our light. It's not our light to shine. We shine his light that has been given to us. Verse 9, that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Jesus is the true light that gives the light to those who believe. Verse 10, he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. You see the contrast John is is painting here that those who rejected Jesus, his own rejected him. And when you think of why did they reject him? Well, if I was a Pharisee at the time, I would start with the fact that how does the Son of God, if he's the king, he's supposed to be the ruler. Like he wasn't born in a stable. Right. It's pretty obvious that he's not, that can't be it. That can't be it. So the one, his own rejected him for so many reasons because they were so focused on their religion. They were so focused on their power, their authority, that they couldn't see what was right in front of him. So those rejected him, but there was them who did believe. A, a small remnant. Uh, my grandfather Charles says it this way, This is a blessed but. Through Christ's own nation, the Jews as a whole received him not. There was a remnant there and some who received him. So there was still a remnant that received him. And we see this in the disciples that received him. And once they received that, he gave them power to become the sons and daughters of God. Verse 13, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And here's our, our key verse that we're honing in on. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the story of Christmas, that when we couldn't reach up to God, when we couldn't be good enough, we couldn't follow the rules enough, when we, everything that man tried to do, building a tower to reach up to him, every, every scheme of man failed. We could not get up to God, so God came down to us. And the greatest gift that he gave to mankind was himself by putting on flesh, by leaving heaven. You know, I imagine heaven being a nice, warm, you know, clean you know, place that 
Like, why would I leave that place to come down here to this mess? To this mess to be, to be born in a stable. I don't know if you've watched some of the recent Christmas movies that have been put out on Christmas shows, and a lot of them are just going back to how dirty that stable really was. Like, how can you have a child in a, a stable, much less the Son of God? Imagine being those parents. Like, this, this, can't, this can't be right. But he did that very thing for us. And his disciples, they beheld his glory. And this is John talking. Is he, we beheld the glory of God. Him, uh, John, Peter, and James got, to front, got front row seats at the Mount of Transfiguration. They got to behold the glory of God as he was transfigured. They've seen glimpses of it. They beheld his glory. The glory of God. And of course, they didn't, a lot of this stuff, they didn't realize at the time. Just like you're not realizing truths at the time. You see it later as you get older. <laughs> but they, once everything was put in place, they fully understood. After Jesus ascended, then they'd be, man, now, now this all begins to make sense. The whole time he was saying he was going to leave. He was going to leave. The Son of Man had to be lifted up. They didn't listen, and they tr- he tried to make him listen, but he did he left, and then they finally understood. You know, glory doesn't impress people today like it did then. The only thing that impresses people today is becoming famous. I wonder how people will respond to Jesus walking around today. What would be their priority? Take a selfie. <laughs> Take a picture, make a video, post it on social media so they... Look at me. Look at who I got to be with. Or look, and, it, and again, it's, it's what Jesus would represent. And we're just so focused on our own glory, our own becoming famous, that we, don't, we aren't impressed with who God is. But he came down to dwell among us, to put on flesh, to make a way for us to get back to God. And this is, these 14 verses, now John's gospel is, doesn't go through the, the birth, or doesn't go through uh, families of origin, doesn't go through genealogies, none of that. It gets right to the point. Right to the point, and this is John's introduction to the gospel. And after looking at this introduction, there are three takeaways that I want us to look at as we can shine his light. The first one is this, believe in his word. Believe in his word. What is your source of truth? And not what is your truth. And if I were to ask you that in church, you would say the word of God is truth. But do your words match your actions? Do do my words match my action? Does my life live in line with the fact that God's word is truth. John writes that God is the word, and the word is God. It's who God is. So often we think of all these rules and the, and the Ten Commandments, for instance, that God is just up on high, just old man with a beard, just like, oh yeah, we should make this rule, and that rule, and this rule, because I'm in charge, and I have authority, and I'm going to make these people do this, and if they don't, they're in trouble. 
Like, no, that's not God at all. God in His Word, and His Word reveals who He is. You just come up with these, these set of rules. It is truth. So take a look at your diet. What does your diet consist of? What is your intake? What is your truth intake? That's going to determine your outtake. Maybe it's time that you shut off and delete some apps from your phone for a time. I know I've had, I have to do this all, all the time. It just It is so frustrating. And your phone's listening to you on top of all that. And things that come with just conversations. You might be even having with your wife and things come up on your phone. You're like, what in the world is going on? Maybe it's time you delete some things. And because we live in an environment that promotes your truth and my truth. Everything is tailored to that. Every commercial, mostly every show you watch, mostly every movie is tailored to this is my truth and this is your truth. So the only way to combat against that is to believe in the truth, in God's truth, and let your actions follow that very thing. The second thing is get out of the way. Get out of the way. You and your opinions are not the answer. The only thing I don't say we and we are opinions, it doesn't sound as good. But we are not the light. It goes back to that. Our opinions and our truth doesn't matter. We're not the answer. And we have to get out of the way. Just as John, John, the Apostle John was talking about John the Baptist. John the Baptist wasn't the light. But he bore witness to that light. He shined the light. In a culture, in a in a look-at-me culture. It's just so hard to do. Cause I, and one of, the, one of the new Christmas movies that came out is a pretty good one, Journey to Bethlehem. Uh, and there's a song that King Herod sings. Who, it's played by Antonio Banderas. He, he sings this. It's a good musical. We're not looking for, like, historical. It's, it's a good musical. But he said he plays King Herod, and he sings this song, It's good to be king. To have absolute authority. And then it goes on to, mine is the kingdom, mine is the power, mine is the glory. And he, go, and he sings this song all about me, and it's really funny. And I think we would sing that song, but it would sound like, it's good to be me and have absolute authority. Because that's how we live our lives sometimes, that we look at our own lives and say, like, man, this is, I, I like being in charge. I like having all the say in my life. I like making my, all of my own decisions. But it's not about me. It's not about me. Maybe you need to put this in your car. If I believed in tattoos, I'd get a tattoo on my arm. It is not about me. You and I cannot shine the light if we're in the way of others seeing it. If we're in the way, it's like we, we put our, we sing that, this little light of mine, don't hide it under a bushel, don't hide it behind you. Because we can so easily do that. Look at me, look at what I'm doing. And it could be for a good reason. Look at how good of a Christian I am. Look at how good of a parent I am. Look how good of a mom I am. Look how good of a dad I am. Look how good of a grandparent I am. Look how good I am with money. And it, we can, it's so, it is that tendency because, again, we live in this culture and it feeds into the flesh that, look at me. The third thing this morning is rely on God's power to shine his light. Rely on God's power. Do you know this is why we were created? 
As John says in verse 3, all things were made by him. All things. The life application Bible puts it this way. He says, when God created, he made something from nothing. Because God created you from nothing, you have no basis for pride. Remember that you exist only because God made you. And you have a special gifts only because God gave them to you. With God, you are something valuable and unique. Apart from God, you are nothing. If you try to live without him, you will be abandoning the purpose for which you were made. It's like, wow, even in the life application Bible, it's like, my goodness. So what is holding you back from fully relying on God's power to fulfill his purpose in your life? And that is the thing that holds us back from the greatest gift that we can give to those around us, to our family, to our community, to our neighborhood, to our church, and to our world. Rely on God's power to shine His light. There are a few times I've gotten this right. A few times. I could count on one hand. Not because of me. But I work in a secular environment. Maybe some of you work in a secular environment, probably most of you, where promotion is based on what you've done. It's kind of like the NFL or sports, like, what have you done for me lately? What have you done, and how do you do it better than your peers? Now, as a chaplain, I'm a special staff officer, but I'm still pitted against other captains. That do, that, that do different jobs. And so there's this, this struggle of, okay, I need the promotion to stay and to keep serving. Right? That's there. So the trust and the, the tension of, okay, I need to do some things, but as I have gotten some good leaders and I get some people that say, hey, you're doing really good, that feeds into an ego that Rachel has to adjust constantly because <clears throat> it can easily shift your focus especially in my job on what truly really matters and that's doing what I get to do the U.S. government pays me a nice salary to be a Liberty Baptist Fellowship Chaplain a Protestant Chaplain to wear the cross of Christ I get paid by the government to do that so there, there is still hope in our government. But that's what I get, get paid to do, to shine the light of Jesus bright. Every Air Force base that, that we go to, or every joint base in this, in this case, there's like three major bases in San Antonio, our, my, our job as a family is to shine that light of Jesus bright wherever we go, wherever we go. And it's easy to get distracted on, on focusing career and not the important stuff. This pastor was mentioning a few Sundays ago, he's telling my story before I even get to tell it. <laughs> but I'll tell, I'll tell more of the background story. A few Sundays ago, I got to preach in the BMT chapel, at the, at the Gateway Chapel, where the contemporary service has three services that range from 850 to 1,000 trainees every Sunday, every Sunday, and I remember being that trainee 19 years ago, and sitting in that very seat thinking, man, this is, this is great, we get to 
One, we get to get away from the TI. That was, that was, that's a motivation. Two, you got to worship with a thousand people. That's powerful. When you get to worship in a group like that, that are all um, praising Jesus, it's a powerful thing. But even though I've been at Lackland for a year and a half, there's kind of been this, the chaplains there, it's kind of been a little bit of a mess uh, at the chapel. So I really haven't connected so much. We've done so much at our church at, at Alamo Community and, and really doing that. But I was finally, okay, I'm, I'm going to get plugged in. There's new chaplains there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. So I had the opportunity to, to preach. And I, I began to sit down with a chaplain that asked me to that put me on the stage. I was like, what, what kind of takes place? Do they do, you know, they worship? Do they, you know, give them altar call? Do you guys know what that is? Do you guys use the Bible? Like, is that something you guys use? And so I began to, to talk with him. And he explained the process of how, you know, we got, there's three services, but there's only a half hour in between each service. So it's like one right after another, one right after another. You got to get, get these people through. You'll have about 35 minutes. And then if you want to do an altar call, uh, go ahead. So as I was thinking, I'm like, I'm as a good Baptist chaplain, we're going to do an altar call. And so, but as I began to prepare for that, God, what do you want me to say? What is your message? And and I, I wanted, again, trying to sit in their seat, as I did 19 years ago. What were some of the things that tugged at my heart? And that was missing home. Every single one of them are missing home. And so I used, um, God showed me that we're going to, you should preach out of John 14, which is, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. I go uh, to prepare a place for you. And, and it's that whole, the six verses of, of God going to prepare a perfect home. And I, I use that as that home as that basis for this is the home that we long for. And we catch glimpses of it when we're home at Christmas or we catch glimpses of it, but there's expectations that aren't met. When you go home, this, when you have this Christmas celebration, there's going to be expectations that aren't met. It's just not going to feel quite right. It's going to feel like home, but it's not going to feel like the home. And so I talked to them about the perfect home. And 60% of them that show up have never been to church. And the battle buddy thing is because they can't go anywhere on that campus by themselves. That This was established about 10 years ago. Uh, or no, 15 years ago. So you have... People that go to church, Christians that have their battle buddies and non-Christian, and they bring them to church. And then, because there's a group going, more and more people come. And so, again, 60% of them never heard the gospel. And I explained, I just, I, I just went into John 14. There's nothing special about it. It's like, this is the gospel. This is the light. It is not me. This is the light shining for me to you. And you need this light because you're not good even though you made it in the Air Force, you're not good. And walk through the Ten Commandments like, you're not good, I'm not good, and we need a Savior. And, and across three services, over 300 trainees gave their life to Christ during those three services. And it, it was awesome, uh, but you wouldn't, the worship team was the one kind of keeping track of numbers because it was just, you're in there, and you're praying for so many people, one right after another. And I think, oh, yeah, you got some. One right after another. Um, but afterwards, I was thinking, 
You know, God was saying it. Why did it take you so long to get here? To let your actions reflect what you believe. To shine his light in a place that needs it the most. I'm so thankful that our God is long-suffering. That he, that he waits for us to discover his truths. Because if you and I were God, we would have said, nope, you're done. But he waits for us to get there. And we have an opportunity. You and I have an opportunity to shine his light this Christmas. That's the greatest gift that you can give to your family. To shine his light. Be the presence of Jesus. Because that is what your family needs. We don't get the luxury of having Jesus' physical body here. But we can usher in his presence. We can shine his light. We can light up our family. We can light up our neighborhood. We can light up our world. We can do that. We believe in his word. We get out of the way. Get out of the way and rely on his power. If we do that, you can give the greatest gift this Christmas. Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed listening to the preaching and teaching from God's word today. You can get more information about our church and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. From all of us here at The Home Church in Lodi, California, thank you for joining us.